Oh, my name is John Cook, and I'm the pastor of Care and Counseling here at the Mount, and it is so good to be with you all this morning. I am super excited. Uh, Jason talked about an expectation of today of us going to two services. We chose this day, this day, because today is the greatest day of the year. We got that hour back. We got that hour back. Now, I don't know about any of y'all, but that springtime thing wrecks me for about two weeks. It's just one hour, but I'm telling you, it might as well be like four days because I am just trashed for about two weeks. It is so good to be here with you all today. It's so good to see so many familiar faces. For those of you that are online, thank you so much for joining with us. I want to give you some prompts. Say hi to your hosts. Chat it up, all right? Hey, we're going to continue in our series, Light Effect, and we're going to be in 1 John, specifically in chapter 2, the latter part of chapter 2. But I want to tell you a story because I got a hundred of these, and I love telling stories. It was almost exactly two years ago, I just happened to be down at the Fredericksburg campus, and I, uh, I forgot why I was there, but I ended up on stage, and I was talking, and I led some prayer. And you remember that pastor that we had down there that's moved to Chesapeake that we don't speak his name anymore? Yeah. <laughs> just joking, Andrew. I'm just joking. I think it was his youngest son earlier that week. They were watching the movie Up. And uh, show of hands. Anybody seen Up? Okay. Great flick. Great flick. Okay. Well, I think it was Andrew's youngest uh, son in the middle of the message, he leans over to his dad and he says, Dad, that grandpa up there looks just like the old man from Up. <laughs> I, I don't see the resemblance. I just don't. There should be, uh, oh. I know, I know. Now, I got, of all the people that may look like Mr. Fredrickson, Jim, Jim, I think you got it. You nailed it, okay? Yeah, yeah. I really don't like small children. I really don't like. Because in that movie up, the one that I most resonate with, the one that I love, the one that I truly appreciate is none other than Doug. Please tell me that there's a picture of Doug behind me. Yes. I love me some Doug. He is fun loving. He is out there. He wants to stay focused. Oh, yeah, he wants to stay focused. But a squirrel comes by and he's like, squirrel. Yeah. And that is me. But I will tell you, I know I'm not the only one that gets distracted. We all do it so many times. And John is actually going to talk to us about this. But I'm amazed how the distractions come upon us. Sometimes they're shiny objects. Sometimes there are news feeds. I, I personally, I keep on talking about this. I am struggling so much with watching news anymore. Because I don't even know if it's news. It's just commentary. I want to know facts. And I can get so bogged down in that. I can get bogged down in social media. I used to never participate in social media until about six months ago when I found out about Facebook. Wow, there's a lot of really stupid videos on that. Yeah. 
and they just suck me in. And I get lost in that, and I can get distracted by that. You know, the dogs and cats doing crazy things, I, I don't understand that, but I, I can't take my eyes off of it. But I get distracted, but there's also distractions that we have, and I think that are very common to us, and I think one of the biggest distractions we have is comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I know, okay, question. You guys can talk about this at lunch amongst your family. What is the greatest invention ever? My son and I have narrowed it down to two things. Air conditioning and the flush toilet. <laughs> Both of them bring great comfort, okay? But think about this. I think comfort is one of those things that we pursue so much that we take our eyes off the ball. And I think the other one is this pursuit of happiness. I've told you this before. I had a very wise man tell me one time after he asked me, John, what do you want? I said, I just want to be happy. And he said, listen, happiness is the byproduct of doing the right thing. Oof. Oof. I think we pursue happiness in so many ways. But one of the things that John's gonna to talk to us about is that happiness and that pursuit of what the world has to offer us is so temporary. And it, if anything that we've learned over the last few months, last year, last 18 months, is how fickle this world is. And how one thing is so important at this moment, and no kidding, with an hour or two, it's being canceled already. James, the brother of, of Jesus, reminds us in the first chapter of his book, which I absolutely love the book of James. If you've never read the book of James, you need to read the book of James because it is just packed full of nuggets of wisdom and it's straight at you and it gives it to you. But in the first chapter, what James is doing is he's giving a great transition or he's giving a great comparison between trials which are designed to strengthen us, and temptations which are of evil, and they come to destroy us. And James writes these words. He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's James 1, 14 and 15. That idea of being dragged away, it's a lure. The word literally in the Greek word has an idea of hunting and fishing. Now, I'm not a hunter. Uh, I have gone hunting and I'm determined that deer actually do not live in the woods. Instead, they live by the side of the highway as you're driving to the woods. In fishing, I have caught my shoe once. Uh, that was fairly embarrassing, but... Um, but the idea here of a lure, of something that's shiny, and it takes us out of our protective area, and it draws us out. And I love this analogy. I understand this, that lure, that fishing lure that kind of floats around, and it shimmers, and that fish sees it, and he's like, ooh, and he goes and he grabs it. And before he knows it, if you're any type of fisherman, I know you even know this, you got to set that hook. And once you set that hook, that fish is yours. And from a place of safety, it becomes dinner. 
And so our eyes need to stay focused on what is most important. And this is what John is talking about. Last week, Jason did, I thought, did a great job of starting this series off, the light effect and the importance of us to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. All right. John is writing to a group of believers who have a number of people who are putting that lure out there who are encouraging them, hey, listen, this isn't all that you need to do, all right? There, it's not just Jesus. It's okay, you can do other things. But John keeps on reminding his people, no, 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 no. If we're in the light as Jesus is in the light, that's where we need to be. Because Jesus is the one that has overcome evil. Jesus is the one that in his light has overcome darkness. What a great job Jason did last week of, that, of talking about how light always defeats darkness. It's never the other way around. And so John in chapter two, 1 John chapter two, I wanna start sharing some of these passages with you, okay? And what he's doing is that he's taking us from kind of a broad scope and then he's going to finish up this section and he's going to make it very personal and he's going to bring it down. So think IMAX versus iPhone, okay? I personally want to watch a movie on IMAX, not on an iPhone, all right? So we're going from the macro to the micro, all right? John says in chapter 2, starting in verse 14, and he actually says, this is why I'm writing to you. I don't know if you guys, my NIV, uh, the, the beginning of this section, it says why I'm writing. All right, John says, this is why I'm writing to you. This is why I'm telling you that Jesus is the light. This is why I'm telling you to remain in the light, all right? And this is how you do it. And he says, I'm writing to you, dear children. I'm in verse 12 of chapter two. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know who you know him who was from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you again, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, let me give you, there are actually two groups of people that he is speaking to. When he says, I'm writing to you children, he is talking about us as the church, believers as the church, all right? You need to understand this. He uses the word children a number of times in 1 John. Verse, or chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are God's children. Those who believe in Jesus, who have professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, are saved and are part of the family. But there's also the fathers that he's talking about. And the fathers are those who have been in faith, who are active in their faith for a while. They know this. They know about Jesus because they've learned about him since the beginning. In other words, you know of the eternal idea, the eternal being that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are. Or at least we should know. 
If we've been in the faith for a while, we have dived into the word, dove into the words, I think that's the right way to put it. We know him. We know that he was from the beginning. We know that he has empowered us. We know who Jesus is. And then the last group or the second group of people is he is saying young men. And those are those of us who are new in the faith. We'll use, we'll throw out terms like a babe in Christ, all right? Somebody who has just accepted Jesus and he's reminded, hey, listen, you have, by accepting Jesus, I'm going to put this thumbprint, I'm going to put the stamp on this, that you know and you have overcome the evil that has been in your life. And you are, in the second part of this, he goes, young man, you are strong. The word of God gives us strength and power. And with that strength, we have overcome the evil one, the one who wants to destroy us, the one who comes to steal and to rob and to kill. First Peter talks about that Satan is like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. I will tell you for years, I heard that, that Satan wants to devour us. But what I thought was that he really wants to just wing us, you know? He just wants to inflict a little bit of hurt on us. And then there was one day I was at home watching TV, mindless TV, or maybe it was Facebook. I don't know. I got lost in a video. The idea of, have y'all ever seen, you know, the, the, the lion or the lioness chasing down the poor baby antelope? And you're like, go antelope, go, go. And the lion catches up, brings it to the ground. And what does it do? It goes to the throat. The lion knows that if I can get the throat, I can crush the animal's ability to breathe. And when I can't breathe, I give up. When Peter says that Satan is like a lion looking to devour us, he's looking to go after our throats. But John reminds us, we have all the strength we need in the word of God. And by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have God's power that lives and flows in us and through us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, the next part, what John is going to do, again, we went from the macro and we're going to go down to the micro. We've got the broad vision of this, that we believe, that we have strength, that we have power, that we've been saved, that we've been taken out of the light, or excuse me, we've been taken out of darkness and placed into the light, one of the themes of John's letter here. But now he's going to say, this is the effect of us being dug. In fact, I titled this message, Don't Be Dug. Don't allow the distractions of the world to take our eyes off the prize. And John is going to bring this really close to home. You ready for this? John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... 
love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. There's three things that I want to talk to you about, about how when we become myopic, when we become very nearsighted, all right? This idea of the lust of the flesh is that we devalue our own worth. When we live by the flesh, we are devaluing our own worth. See, John reminds us that the flesh and this lust of the flesh has everything to do with bringing us to our basic animal instincts. And so when we fall for this lust, when we fall for these strong desires of what I want, I am making myself like an animal. I have totally devalued who I am. And again, he calls us children. His love is lavished on us. I love that word lavished. It doesn't sound like he sprinkled it. He pours out his love on us. And we know this because he calls us his children, which means if we are children of the king, if we are children of the most high, if we are, cho- we are children of the one who spoke into existence everything, I got to think we got some value. I know I have value. Do you know that you have value? In your myopic view, in our myopic view, in our short-sightedness, when we allow the distractions of this world, we devalue ourselves. We say, oh, I need that. Gots to have that. Oh. The second thing that John is talking about is the lust of the eye. And I will tell you that by when we fall for the lust of the eye, what we see, huh, it's being coveted. I can never say this word. Two weeks ago, we had Naeem that couldn't say squirrel. Apparently, I can't say covetedness. We covet what others have. And I devalue what God has given me. I devalue what is before me. If I keep my eyes focused on the next thing, if I keep my eyes focused on the world and I keep on pursuing these things that the world has, I lose the blessings that are right before me. I can do it. We can do it in our marriages. We can do it with our kids. We can do it with our homes. We can do it with our jobs. We can do it with our bank accounts. We can do it with our athletic abilities. We can do it with our weight. We can do it, you name it. If I see somebody else that's prettier, smarter, whatever it is, and I go, oh, I wish I was like them. Oh, how I really want that. And what I'm doing, I'm putting value and worth on stuff that John reminds us is temporary. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Got any sneaker heads out here? Any? They're probably upstairs with Jason eating soap right now. Okay. My son, he's 23 years old. He loves him some tennis shoes. If you were to come over to our house and you would see his bedroom, there are boxes and boxes and boxes of Nike shoes. And 
he doesn't have a small foot. <laughs> Actually, we wear the same size shoes, so I should start wearing more of his shoes. He's got so many pairs of shoes, and he's constantly on that, and he's looking at a new release. Oh, I got to get that shoe. Oh, I got to get that shoe. And no kidding, as soon as the one shoe comes in, there's a new one that's been released, and he's going, oh, I want to get that shoe. And I'm like, dude, you got like 500 pairs of shoes, and they're huge. We're running out of room in this house. It's not that big. But I do it with cars. Now, the beautiful part is my wife won't allow me to go out and buy new cars all the time. But we have our own things that we see, that we want, and we forget the blessings that are right before us. The third thing that John says here is the pride of life. And I will tell you this, the pride of life is nothing more than hubris. It's dangerous overconfidence. It's arrogance. It's me saying in whatever the situation is, oh, I got this. And what we're doing here is we are overvaluing our abilities. <coughs> John reminds us in the pride of life, we are overvaluing our abilities. I, if you guys have heard me say this once, I know I've said it a thousand times. And if you've ever sat with me in my office, I guarantee you, you've heard this. There's two things in this world that we actually have control over. It's what we think and what we do. But yet I still want to think that I can control and I can manage and I can manipulate others and situations and things and all of that, and we can't. When I overvalue my ability, I undervalue who God is and what God is all about. John reminds us, remain in the light. Remain in the light and understand this very real fact. I can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. I don't have the ability to create by speaking. I don't have in my own ability the capability to die and raise newness of life. I can't do it. That is a God thing. In our Celebrate Recovery and in any recovery group, the very first step that we go through is to understand that my life is unmanageable. There are only so many things I have control over, what I think and what I do. I cannot live thinking I got this. Jesus I need you. Church, we need Jesus. Every sin that we fall into falls within one of these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life. Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert, I love this. Jesus has been baptized. The Holy Spirit has come down. There has been this great declaration. This is my son in whom I love and I am well pleased with. 
Immediately following that, Matthew reminds us that Jesus then goes into the desert for 40 days and he fasts for 40 days. And wouldn't you believe it, that at the weakest moment is where Satan shows up and he tempts Jesus and he tempts him with the lust of the flesh. You got to be hungry. You haven't eaten anything in 40 days. I am hungry. Turn these stones into bread. See, that would satisfy the flesh. And then Satan takes him and he puts him in a very high place so he can see all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, look at all these kingdoms. If you'll worship me, I'll give them to you. Lust of the eye. And then finally, Jesus is taken to the very high part of the temple. And Satan tells him, jump off. The angels will protect you. Pride of life. Well, I got this. I'm Jesus. And Jesus rebuked all of those. And Jesus said, no. I worship and my eyes are focused on the eternal, not the temporal. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back out real quick. And as we do this, I want to take you to a passage that's in Hebrew and in Hebrews and how this really ties all of this back in. As children of God, we need to understand this. We are not alone in this. Jesus truly, truly, truly does understand everything that we go through. Jesus understands the desire to lose the big focus and go to the small focus. John reminds us, understand that when we get focused like this, when we look through the pinhole, it's all we see and we lose the picture of the much larger picture of everything that is out there, the eternal picture. And we think, well, Jesus, you don't understand. You don't live in my time. You don't... The Hebrew writer tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We must remember this, that Jesus, yes, fully God, was also fully man. He had every temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He experienced all of those. But he didn't look at life through the pinhole. He kept the aperture large. And because of that, we do have a God. We do have a Jesus that is sat at the right hand of the Father who is interceding on a constant basis for us. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. See, Jesus kept his eye on the Father. Jesus stayed in the light. Jesus kept looking and focused on the much bigger picture. And so this is my challenge to each of us today. What are you focused on? If you're looking at life through this, that's all you're going to see. It's all we're going to see. And John is reminding us, if we walk in the light, the light shines light everywhere. And it opens up the aperture. And so we need to look at everything and start looking eternally instead of temporally. Instead of the temporary. Because the reality is that this world is ending. It is in the process of ending. 
This is not my home. This is a temporary place. I have set up a tent here. Now, it's a $280,000 tent, but it's a tent here. It's temporary. My eternal home, our eternal home is with Jesus in heaven. May I not lose focus on a pair of shoes. May I not lose focus on air conditioning. That's hard for me to say. May I not lose focus on something right now that may love me, but tomorrow will cast me away. But I, will I, will we take the value that God has given us when he calls us our children? We are his children. Preach it. Oh God, thank you so much. Thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. And though he was tempted in every way, just as we are, he did not sin. And because of that, he is able to be the sacrifice for us. For those of us who just can't quite fix our eyes completely, on you we want to but we allow the distraction in this world to take our eyes off of you God focus us touch our hearts in such a way that we cannot help but see the much larger the eternal picture that you have before us and as we walk in the light would you open that aperture that we may see more and more and more of you in all that we, in all of our life. And I pray this in Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, now listen, there are some next steps for each of us here today. Some of you have allowed the distractions of this world to really get you down. You are looking at life through a pinhole. You are looking at life maybe as, as big as a, a toilet paper roll, okay? And you've lost focus on the eternal. You are a child of God, but you have lost focus because of the world has beat you down and you've allowed it to do it. Our prayer team is gonna be up here in just a moment. If you need prayer, I'm gonna ask that you would come forward and that you would name it and that you would claim it and that you would verbalize it. There may be some of you that are so lost that you have never even, you cannot see past the end of your nose. That you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you've allowed this world to absolutely consume you. And peace, the idea of peace, it's just foreign. As much as I would love to help, I don't have the power to save you but I know someone who does, and his name is Jesus. If that is you this morning, I'm gonna ask that you pray this prayer, and then I'm gonna ask you to be really bold, and I'm gonna ask you to come and speak to one of our prayer partners up here so that we can 
get you a copy of God's Word, and we can get you into the light, help you start and walking with you as you begin your journey in the light. If you're ready, you ready to do this, folks, online? You ready to turn your life over to Jesus? Let's do that. Father God, we come to you. And Lord, I realize I am a sinner and I am in great need of a Savior. Lord, I have spent so much time, so many years walking in darkness. God, I want to walk in the light. And so today, right here, right now, God, I am asking you this that you would enter me, that you would be, be my Lord and Savior, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit with the full expectation that the very thing I need, peace, you will provide. God, I am tired. I'm exhausted. I can't do life on my own. Will you save me, Jesus? I know you can. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All, if you prayed that prayer just now, the invitation is for you this morning. The invitation is to not just sit there and say, okay, I've done that, check. The next step is for you to come and let us know so that we can begin to walk with you because you were not designed to go through this alone. None of us are designed to go through life alone. As we gather here, there is strength in numbers. And we want to be with you. And we want to be on your team. And we want to help you take your eyes off the small and put it on the big. Amen? Hey, let's stand and we're going to worship.